Captain. Let's move. ABC Thursdays. Firefighters, we're family. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. The subject has explosive chemicals. Get down! With fiery romances. You're the love of my life. And Andy is finally in charge. I'm going to be the best damn captain the station has ever seen. Station 19. All new Thursdays, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. It's the middle with Anthony Weiner. On WABC. I know Anthony Weiner for a long time. He was a really bad guy. Taking a step back to look at things with a new perspective. Anthony Weiner, um, I'm not a big fan. It's The Middle with Anthony Weiner. Good afternoon, I'm Anthony Weiner, and thank you for meeting me in the middle, an hour every Saturday at 2, when we take some steps away from the hot takes of the far left and the far right, and we try to bring some context to the news of the week, or maybe a subject that doesn't find its way into the middle of the conversation enough. I will be with you until 3 o'clock, and then Curtis Lewa comes in, and we get together for left versus right. We're going to talk about congestion pricing, we're going to talk about... The mayor's plan to take 150,000 parking spots off the streets. You can listen to us on Terrestrial Radio 77 WABC. It's the AM dial. You can hear us all up and down the eastern seaboard, the most powerful AM radio station in the nation. You can always also follow us on WABCradio.com. We have a great app that you should know all about. It is a gorgeous day here in Manhattan. I hope it's a beautiful day where you are. It's just right. It's just right to bike into work. It's just right to take a little walk. Kind of a long, dreary week, and so I'm glad that that's behind us and things are looking up, at least weather-wise. If you want to reach out to me, at Rep Wiener, R-E-P-W-E-I-N-E-R, that is my Twitter handle, although Twitter's a mess nowadays, WABC at gmail.com, and you can call in to be part of the show. This is your show. I'm just helping out, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. Ava's on the phone, Christian is running the board, and Kevin is... Supervising things, it's so great to have you along. This was a great week in the Wiener household. Jordan was in a play. His first time he did any any drama. And in order to do this play, he had to rehearse every day. He missed hockey during the week at least for the last two, three weeks. He was in James and the Giant Peach, a Raul Dahl story. I think Raul Dahl needs to buy a vowel. I feel like it should be – anyway – Putting aside the fact that this is a play of a guy that, that we've talked about on the show that has some problematic things in his books, it was an amazing – they did a great job, the kids. Jordan plays a little old man, 
and he comes out early on in the play and he sets the the pace for the play because he has they they all ninety percent of them speak in British accents and Jordan just crushed it. He, I, we had no idea he was going to do this. His mom and I went to see the play together and we just kind of were slack jawed watching him. He was so impressive. He's so poised. And he did not only a British accent, but he did like a thick Cockney British accent. Um, appropriate for this week is this is Coronation Day. I'm not going to talk about it because I don't have anything to say. It, the good thing about the Coronation is it's a whole swath of the newspaper that I don't have to read because I really, you know, I'm an Anglophile. You know, I love British people. I love British music. I love British I love the British government. Food, not so much, but I, I, I'm just a big, so I'm into that stuff, but I just don't have anything to add. Congratulations, King Charles. I mean, maybe what we'll do, I have an idea what we can do. We'll play some music between, you know, the bumper music that we go in and out of commercials with. We'll do some coronation related music, but that's about the end of it. If you, if you really want to talk about it, you can. 800-84-WABC, 800-84-9222. I just don't know anything about it. Um, also, an interesting week. Donald Trump's trial is headed to a jury. This is a trial, a civil trial. If you're having trouble keeping track without a scorecard, this is a civil trial. Donald Trump for um, sexual misconduct years ago, decades ago. Um, it's a little bit of a mess for him, but you, you know, I was reminded this week. Had a great, uh, a great kind of group dinner that Arthur Idala invited me to. He's become a regular fixture here on the radio. And both Arthur and other lawyers who were there said, you know, don't judge these cases by the news reports, uh, particularly when it's related to Donald Trump. You know, you can't tell what a jury is going to do. And this was a long time ago. It's a civil case. Um, but he really dug himself in, 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 in deep, a deep hole in, he didn't appear at the trial, but he did sit for depositions, which he was required. I guess you had to do in a civil case. You have to sit for a, a deposition. And he was, he said, I didn't, I never met this woman. I didn't do the thing that she says I did. I didn't rape her or sexually violate her in any way. She's not my type. And then when they're showing her, him pictures, he points to a picture of Marla Maples, his, his ex-wife. And it turned out it was the, it, it was, it was the, this woman who is charging him with rape, like after he said, it's not my type. And then anyway. So that's going on. I mean, who knows what's going to happen with that? It's, again, anything related to Trump gobbles up a lot of airtime, but I'm not sure what it amounts to. So let's do some numbers of the week. Every week here on The Middle, we like to do some numbers that bring context to the news or maybe some things that got overlooked. The first number is 2.7. 2.7 grams or less than one-tenth of an ounce. That is the weight of a ping pong ball. Now, why do I mention this? Because on May 8th, which is two days from now, the NHL is going to have their draft lottery to see who's going to get to pick first. And different number, you get different numbers of balls, of ping pong balls and the big thing that shakes them all up depending upon this whole formula that the NHL come out. So why is this interesting? Because for those of you who are not hockey fans, and I know I get chided for talking too much about hockey, there's a 17-year-old kid from Vancouver, British Columbia called Connor Bedard in this draft. He's going to be eligible to be drafted number one, and he is going to be drafted number one. He is truly one of these generational guys that comes along once like in a generation. He is Wayne Gretzky, Connor, uh, um, uh, McDavid, you know, all, uh, um, he's supposed to be amazing. And so they have a formula. A New York team's probably not going to get them. The Anaheim Ducks have a 25 and a half percent chance of getting it, but anything can, can happen. So that's the number of the week. Um, the number, uh, five. 
the number of nine-inning major league games that finished in less than two hours from 2013 to 2022. There were only six of them. There have been five so far this year. Nine-inning games that finished in less than two hours. The Mets had one. I think it was on Thursday. They lost two to nothing in Verlander's return. There was two hours and six minutes. Um, and there have already been five. So it is working. The games are moving along faster, but they're getting more pitcher injuries. And, you know, that could turn out to be a byproduct. You remember these guys, these guys are thoroughbreds and they're used to dealing with their days off in a certain way and their rhythm on the, on the mound. This is a certain thing. And so maybe that's contributing to it. And, um, another number of the week is going to be introduced. Christian, I think you have this tape. Before I get you the number of the week, I want to set it up because it's a response to some things that we heard. Oh, it was an insurrection. So how many of the participants in that insurrection have been charged with insurrecting, with sedition, with treason? Zero. But you know what? No one has been charged with sedition. No one has been charged with sedition or insurrection. Most have been hit with charges like parading. Parading. Who knew that was a crime? Do you know how many people have been charged with inciting insurrection or sedition or treason or domestic terrorism as a result of anything? Zero. Has anybody been charged with sedition? Nobody. Has anybody been charged with treason? Nobody. So why do they keep calling it an insurrection? How many times do words like insurrection, sedition, or treason appear in Biden's own DOJ indictments against the January 6th rioters? The answer, zero. So the number of the week, unfortunately, for Fox News is not zero. Um, today, uh, this week, four members of the Proud Boys, including their former leader, Enrico Terrio, they were convicted on Thursday of seditious conspiracy. That was the third case. There was, but there was a defendant in that case that was not found guilty of that, but the four members of the Proud Boys was. The trial was the last of three sedition cases that the federal prosecutors had brought. Um, a sedition charge, it's rarely used. I mean, th- that might be what Fox was trying to imply, that nothing, there was no sedition going on, but there clearly was. Um, there was also two separate trials against nine members of another far-right group, the Oath Keepers, and six of those defendants, including Stuart Rhodes, the organization's founder and leader, were guilty of convi- of sedition. Also on this point, also this week, of the, the longest sentence handed down so far for a January 6th crime, a 14-year sentence for a guy from, I think it was from uh, Kentucky, called Peter Schwartz. He attacked the police on, on January 6th with pepper spray and a chair, um, and he was um, and he was he was sentenced this week to 14 years in prison. But the final numbers of the week, um, just to start us on a little bit of a conversation that I have to admit, for the first time since I've been doing this show, I was not super fired up because this is the kind of subject that kind of guts me a little bit. The numbers 30 and 24, and that's the ages of Jordan Neely. He was age 30, and Daniel Perry, um, it was 24. Uh, Jordan Neely, um, as you know, uh, was killed on the on the F train, and the person that committed the homicide was uh, Daniel Perry. I call it a homicide because... That's what the coroner ruled it was. Homicide just means one person killed another person. And, you know, one of the reasons that I'm like a little bit, you know, that this issue is troubling to me is is that I believe that we make progress. You know, I be, I'm a progressive in that sense, that I believe that the, that our country continues to get better and better and things that 
wouldn't go on in the past, you know, that that go on, they happen, you know, we're just getting better at things. And I believe that we have common ideals. I call the show The Middle for that reason. I do, however, believe that very often politicians and people in the media both have the same incentives which aren't very healthy. Politicians want to make you angry because it gets you to be active. It gets you to go vote. It gets you to donate. It gets you to go to stay involved. And the news media, including people like my employer here at 77 WBC Talk Radio, we want that anger too because it gets us ratings and page views on our webpage and things like that. Both both politicians and the media have a bit of this, if it bleeds, it leads bias. That's the way both of us function. And I say us because I was both a politician and a media person. And that's also, by the way, the common that common thread is why so many politicians like me become media people and so many media people are successful in politics. We have that same kind of sense of when to press that anger nerve in people. But part of what led to my demise and my meltdown in politics is that that performance of split screen outrage was not really who I was or what I really believed. And I really do try not to do it here on the middle. Um, you know, the witness who videotaped this horrible thing said that he didn't see Jordan assault anyone, this person, Jordan Neely. He threw his coat to the ground. One report said that he threw garbage. He said he was shouting about being hungry and fed up. He was either threatening. There were people that left the area. They obviously felt that threat. The whole train car cleared out. Or he was just something that we see on the subway all too often. You know, people mumbling or yelling or whatever. This person was a human being. It was Jordan Neely. Like I said, he was 30 years old. His father said he was autistic. His aunt said he'd become a complete mess since the brutal murder of his mother in 2007. His aunt also said that he was schizophrenic and suffered from PTSD and depression. But in this story, you most often don't have him referred to as an autistic man. You have him referred to as or as a depressed man or you have him most often as a homeless man or a disturbed man. Or if you're going to listen to some folks, some names that are even worse than that. Law enforcement sources said that Neely had numerous arrests on his record, including for drugs, for disorderly conduct and fair beating. I didn't see any sight in any of the stories that he had any violence in his background except to say that he had that he had a warrant out for his arrest for accused of assaulting a 67 year old woman it said in the east village in the neighborhood i live in apparently according to one story he showed up at bellevue seeking help we don't know if he got any i'm sure we'll find that out at some point so the coroner said this was a homicide and so that means that a person killed this person and daniel perry was apparently that person two others helped he's a 24 year old college student, his lawyer says. He's also a Marine. He doesn't often get to even refer by his name. He's just referred to as the Marine or a Marine when he's referred to in these in these contexts, on these airwaves. People have said that Mr. Perry acted heroically and, and people have said that he murdered a person. You know, we have a process to figure this out. We have district attorneys. We have laws. And we have evidence. 
It's against the law to throw bits of garbage around on the subway. It is. It's against the law even to shout at people and to threaten them. It's also against the law to kill someone because you felt uncomfortable. It's even against the law to kill someone because you felt scared. I mean, we have a social compact in this country, in this world, but particularly in urban areas like this. We take care of people who can't take care of themselves. We allow each other to take the subway ride without having to worry about being confronted by a person who's unable to control his or herself. We have that right. And when these rules of society get broken, who do we call? Well, we call the cops. We call the cops for everything. You know, coincidentally, this week, close to 1,370 incidents since 2017 of students ending up in handcuffs while they waited for an ambulance to arrive, according to police data. In several of those incidents, the kids were five or six years old in those handcuffs. 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. We'll go to break in one second here. I mean, there is a lot we don't know. I'm going to guess that some of those arrests Jordan Neely was for acting like the way he did the day he died. I bet some were for just making people uncomfortable. And the way I unpack this issue is what would I do? What do, what would I, what do I tell Jordan to do when I'm with him? I don't know. I have been with Jordan on the train thousands of, thousands, that's a lot, hundreds of times. When, and a few of those times, it's been when that running away thing happened. When people fled off a train we were on because something was going on in that train. And I make a point of not doing that. Because I don't want him to grow up with this sense of fear constantly around him. I show him to always say sir or madam when you're approached by panhandlers. Even if you're saying you have no change, you call them sir or ma'am. I also tell him to try not to stare. And if you do make eye contact with someone, always try to smile. But I don't tell him that to be a regular transit rider is to always be ready for a fight or flight situation. And that is what it means to be a resident of a big city. We bounce off each other like molecules in a microwave. But it's part of the compact. 99% of all interactions are without friction. Some small number are magical. And some small number are treacherous. And we should work every day to make sure that the few that mean us harm are stopped and that they're arrested and they're prosecuted and put in prison if necessary. But we also do great damage with all this toxic talk that convinces too many people that our society is collapsing or the criminals are everywhere. Talk like that pulls us all to the edges, puts us all on edge. And it does make it hard to find commonality in the middle. We'll be right back to take your calls. It's the middle with Anthony Weiner, 77 WABC.
And welcome back to the middle. That's that's XTC bringing us in with King for a Day. It's about as far as I'm going to stretch to talk about the coronation. Uh, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. It's the thing that so many New Yorkers have been talking about this week. This, I mean, there's no other word for it. It's a tragedy. It's a tragedy when anyone loses their life. But it's a tragedy, particularly in what happened, the interaction between Jordan Neely and Daniel Perry. It's a tragedy for both of them. And it's tough for the city as well. So let's take some calls to try to kind of, I don't know, pick through this a little bit. Um, first, let's go to uh, let's go to Chris in Long Island. Chris, welcome back. Hey, Anthony. Um, just quick background. I'm 60 years old. I've been traveling into the city. I worked in the city for 40 years. So I have a 40-year Ph.D., in taking the subway. So I know what I'm talking about. I often take pictures of what goes on down there, uh, you know, just to show my friends, because a lot of them don't believe it. They think I'm exaggerating. But, you know, just the amount of homeless that are living now on the one train in particular, which I take down a lot, if you're in the back car of that one train, it's like an encampment down there. And I've gotten off and told police about it. And, you know, nothing ever gets done. I've seen people go to the bathroom literally in front of me on there while there's women on the train. So I'm just saying I've seen a lot, and it's, it's as bad as people think because I've taken pictures of it, please. So the thing that bothers me about this is, and believe me, the only time I've had a physical confrontation with a homeless person down there, that person was white, okay? It was a white person, and I had to get him off me. He was coming on. He wanted food and money, and he was got in my face. I had to push him, and we got into it. It was a white guy, Okay. I just want to know, I hate that race plays into this thing. That's what bothers me more than anything about this, because I've seen homeless white people down there. I've seen homeless black people. The black, there was a black person that helped restrain uh, Neely, okay? There was a black, if you see it in the uh, video, uh, there was a black person, a regular commuter, who's restraining him, who's helping keeping him down, okay? No one talks about that. But what I'm saying is, why does race have to play into this? And that's what you get from the left. Well, let me just – well, Chris, I appreciate it. And, and I mean, I, I, I too spend a lot of time in the subways, and I agree. This is a – this seems like a particularly bad time. I mean, I've seen it worse, but that doesn't mean this isn't a bad time. But I guess the element of race that comes into this is the perception that I think is probably right, that if it was a black person who had committed this crime, uh, you would probably have this reported – and treated differently. Now, we know to some degree that black people and white people get treated differently in the criminal justice system. Um, I just think it, I, I don't think that that's such a far reach that this would be perceived differently by people. But you're, you're right about a, about a thing. You have a right, Chris, and I appreciate your calling calls again. You have a right to pay your fare, get on the subway and go from point A to point B without having to to worry about. People, you know, defecating on themselves or sleeping across five seats or coming up to you and your family and like being aggressive. You have a right. That is your right. A hundred percent. It doesn't change the fact that that's not an easy it's not it's a difficult problem to solve. Human beings have a right to be on the train you, unless you're going to have people going out and giving summonses for urination and summonses for smelling bad. Very often they're just sitting there mumbling to themselves. Part of the real challenge of this, maybe the biggest challenge of this, and, you know, this guy was arrested dozens of times, apparently. This is what has been reported, hasn't been confirmed. 
most likely he was reported because whenever he creates problems down there, someone calls the cops and the cops have to do something. They either have to arrest him or they, let's let him go on his way. And that's problematic because we have to figure out what to do with people who are dealing with mental issues who don't want to go get help. I mean, that is a problem. Next, let's go to Lon in Washington Heights. Go ahead, Lon. Are you with us, Lon? Lon, I see. Can you hear me? I can. I'm sorry. That was my fault. Okay, no problem. Uh, uh, again, I enjoy your show and appreciate the point of view you bring. It's a, it's a, it is a tragic uh, situation on both sides. Um, I would think, however, that uh, a Marine that's trained probably in hand-to-hand combat and all of other sorts of things would have an idea of when, you know, after five or ten minutes, uh, enough of that chokehold would kill somebody. And, you know, I, I wasn't down there. I don't know the intensity, but it, it didn't seem like this guy was violently fighting back. And a chokehold will kill you. So that's that's one point. So uh, I would think there, there'd be some sense of this guy should know, okay, enough, enough. We have four other guys. Let's just hold him down without my arm around his neck. Number two, uh, I think the only way, and I, I consider myself a liberal Democrat from way back, uh, I think we need more cops on the subways and, you know, stop this petty violence that leads to more violence, stop kids from smoking pot on the subway, just stop the disrespect of man, you know, to man, and let's let's start there. Yeah, Lon, you, you make a good point. Let me start with the first one. Because I've kind of had this Marine, the notion that this guy, Daniel Perry, was a Marine, has been used as an example by some, even some at the station, saying, well, he's trained to protect other people, and that's what he did. His training kicked in. or No, actually, Marines are trained to kill people. That's what Marines are trained to do. There are war fighters. There are people that go into combat with the purpose of stopping the other guy before he stops you. Um, maybe if he's in the military police, that would be a little bit different. But the whole point is that the police, and maybe Curtis can let, Curtis can probably lend the insight into a lot of this, but the police, their first tool in their toolbox is to de-escalate and is to stop people from getting hurt. Um, and you, you hope that that doesn't result in, in harm being done. But I mean, again, I don't know, you know, I, I heard the first report I heard was that he was in a, 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 a chokehold for 15 minutes, and then it turned out, well, that kind of wasn't really right. All I know is the videotape I saw, the guy was, the, this this victim, Jordan Neely, was squirming right up until the end. So maybe just Mr. Perry was doing what he thought he needed to do. But I, I don't know. We're going to find out. That's going to come out. That's going to be something that the, that the grand jury or the DA is going to look like. But let me answer this other this other thing, because I've thought about this a lot. And I pointed this out a little bit in my monologue. You know, Lon says we should have, and I really do appreciate the call, Lon says we should have more cops for these kind of petty indignities of man-to-man, like things like kids smoking. I, yes. The problem is we're calling cops for things that they are not really all that equipped for. You know, when dealing with a mentally, you know, we have specially trained cops that deal with EDPs, that deal with emotionally disturbed people. By the way, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. This is Anthony Weiner. This is The Middle on WABC 77. We have specially trained cops for that. But, you know, there was, there's this false controversy around defund the police because some people said, had the audacity to say, you know what? Let's try to take some of the effort that we put into arresting people 
and put it into resources to try to deal with the many people who are not criminals per se, but they have mental health issues. And we constantly say, we have two answers we always say in society. Do it in the schools, teach them better in the schools, or get the cops on the job. And sometimes they overlap because sometimes even teachers can't handle it and they wind up calling the cops. We have to get out of this mindset that it's only the cops that can solve these problems. A cop showed up at the scene within five minutes, I think, after the call came in for this. Cops aren't going to be everywhere. You're not going to have, you know, like the minority report precogs that, like, guess where crime is going to be. And this guy, Jordan Neely, it's, it's an open question whether the guy was doing anything criminal. It really is. The worst report I've seen is he's throwing some garbage around. But but Lon's not wrong. I, I mean, all the time, I, I, I don't know what to do about people sm- smoking on the subway. Because, one, I want to defend myself, and often I'm traveling with Jordan. But on the other hand, I'm not, you know, you know, sometimes not saying anything is, is, is the best strategy. And I'm trying to teach Jordan by example of, you know, just of being invested in your community, but also, you know, picking picking the right spot. Um, next is Alan Yonkers. Al, thank you so much for calling. Yeah, hi, Congressman. You know, I just wanted to say in regards to the unfortunate uh, situation that uh, happened on the subway where somebody lost his life. It's tragic. Uh, I believe the Marine, Daniel Penny, uh, and Jordan Neely, the person who who died, I think it all comes down to intent. I think the Marine uh, did not purposely want to uh, take this individual's life. And if a grand jury this week conveys... I hope they don't bring criminal charges against the Marine because, as you know, and a lot of people who know, when a civilian or a policeman is dealing with an emotionally disturbed person, uh, things could go wrong really quickly. And a lot of tragedies have happened when they deal with emotionally disturbed people. When a police person goes to deal with an emotionally disturbed person, right away they know in their head – that they don't know what they're walking into. So like Senator D'Amato pointed out, you know, it's uh, a situation like that. And when the police come, when the, I thought they took a little longer than five minutes. It's a serious situation, and things could de-escalate, I mean, escalate really quickly. Yeah, I think I mean, you, you make a good point. But it is not intent. I mean, intent is part of it. It is whether the state of mind, whether or not there was a real threat. You cannot put someone in a chokehold for being a, for being crazy. <laughs> you can't do that. We can't, or you'd be, we'd have people doing it all the time. It's got to be, did he perceive and was he correct to perceive a real threat to someone else, his life or someone else's life? You cannot just kill someone because they're acting crazy. So, I mean, yes, I mean, I, you know, did he mean to kill? I, I think it was a homicide that's been ruled a homicide already. The question is, is it, I mean, is it, I mean, I, I'm sure intent has something. I, I shouldn't say that intent is not the word, but it, but it, you, you know, even if you don't intend to kill someone, you can't go grab someone around the neck because they're acting crazy. We'd be doing it all the time. This is the middle 800-848-WABC. It's been a great conversation so far. We'll see you on the other side. This is the middle with Anthony Weiner, 77 WABC. price of my love is not a price that you're willing to pay you cry in 
your tea, which you hurl in the sea when you see me go by. Why so sad? Remember, we made an arrangement when you went away. Now you're making me mad. Remember, despite our estrangement, I'm your man. You'll be back soon. You'll see. You remember you belong to me. You'll be back. Time will and welcome back to the middle. That's King. George? <laughs> Who's singing that one? That's from the Hamilton soundtrack. Uh, again, I'm doing what I can to bring a little coronation into this conversation. Although I don't know anything about I don't know. I'm a little bit embarrassed I know so little about it. It's just such a weird thing. For, I mean, maybe because there haven't been that many. Um, people are really into it. Like I heard, I heard earlier in a, a news break here that people were like going to pubs at Seven o'clock this morning and watching it. Not my thing. Not my thing. The King thing. So let's go back to the phone a little bit more because um, I think a lot of people want to talk about this. This really touches a chord. And you know, if you are not, if you are not a subway rider, or buses are getting kind of crazy too. If you're not a subway rider or a bus rider, you can definitely be part of this conversation. But you're being told that things are things are always gritty down there. <laughs> to put it that way, there is a reason why. Curtis Lewa is, uh, you know, is a citywide mayoral candidate because people understand the idea that what goes down in the subways um, is a challenge. And let's go to Eric in Queens to continue the conversation. Eric, welcome to the middle. Hi, Anthony. Nice to be with you again. Um, just wanted to make two points real quick. The first point, I want to call out the black politicians in New York City and New York State. Um, as we know, they make up the hierarchy of Albany. New York City mayor, his administration, the, the leaders of the city council. I mean, you go down the list. They overproportionately make up a lot of the head politicians. And it seems they're absent when it comes to dealing with these situations, as I've heard from fellow black Americans, that there is a severe mental health crisis in the community. And I want to point out to Bill de Blasio's wife. What happened to that program she set up and the missing money? So it's like, what are they doing? They should be really called out on this particular matter, and it's a very sad situation. And I also want to mention, um, how many incidents have we seen on the subways? I've been riding the subway since I was 12. I've seen it all. Women particularly getting raped, assaulted, thrown on train tracks, and it might have just started out with a homeless person throwing something at them. So it's really hard to gauge where this could have ended up, and maybe the Marine acted a little too soon. Uh, I, would, I, would, I would maybe say that. Well, I mean, look, I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I appreciate it, Eric, and you, you always bring a lot to the table. Look, there's a couple of things here. One, I do think an African-American mayor of this city, Eric Adams, has said it exactly right this week, which is everyone chill out. You know, these people who are calling this a lynching are getting out over their skis. Let's wait and let's see what the information is. I think he correctly points out that major crimes are down in the subways, not up. And he correctly points out, I think, that too many places, too many people that have microphones, too many people that buy ink by the barrel have been amping this thing up to make it seem like we're in this apocalyptic moment in New York City life. And if you're if you're the the, the, the young man on the on the train who jumps in and grabs a guy by the neck, it could be that he was motivated by the idea that things are out of control. 
But I will say this. One point that Eric makes, and he always brings good information to the conversation, it is absolutely hypocritical of Eric Adams, Governor Hochul, and all these politicians to talk about how we have to be serious about this mental health crisis when they are they just finished a budget in Albany that didn't do nearly enough for that. They just finished the budget in the city of New York that didn't do nearly enough for that. And the final thing is, and I think a previous caller mentioned this, we do have to look at the laws about civilly confining someone for their own good. I mean, we swung all the way in one direction when we had the, the Willowbrook the Willowbrook scandals of the 1970s when the these institutions that we were holding, the mentally the mentally challenged, were just disgusting. And so court orders and laws and everything emptied these places out. Well, now we've gone all the way this other direction that essentially they've been deposited in the subways and on our streets. And if we're going to be a politician that stands up and holds and has a rally and calls it a lynching because someone, you know, was animated to do what they, I'm sure, thought was the right thing to do. We can't, we can't be a politician that says, and, and we as the citizens of this city, we can't expect there to be some kind of a magic bullet that everywhere we are at every moment, every single person is completely safe from someone, you know, these are, these are human beings that, that have mental breaks. There's a 30 year old guy who, when he was in, in teen twenties, you can go find videos of him doing Michael Jackson impersonations. His father said he's autistic. He's, he's the one thing we kind of know from witnesses is he was saying he's so hungry and so thirsty and just needs a place to live. He didn't care about living. Do we bear some responsibility for that guy so it doesn't get to the point that someone's coming up behind him and feels the need to do that? Don't we have some responsibility for that? And also, shouldn't we have a reasonable expectation that no, not every police officer is going to be able to stop every single thing. And then when they do get involved and something goes sideways because this is human beings dealing with other human beings, are we going to be so furious at that cop that we're going to, you know, protest police for the rest of our lives? We all have some accountability here. I know the necessity on, on angry, opinionated radio to be firmly in a camp, this is an easy one. You can be firmly on the vigilante side. You can be firmly on the, on the young black man's side. But the conversation that's going to make us a better city is somewhere in the middle. That guy should be alive today. But you can't blame it entirely on the person that, that had his arm around his neck. That That person, you know, this guy, Jordan Neely, showed up at Bellevue asking for help, and he stole, he was still on a subway train. Listen, this is vexing. And I said that, that this is one of those things. I don't, I don't like this, this, the way we have our civic conversations around this because we leave so little oxygen for just like the nuance of this. It's, this is hard stuff. We are safe in the subways. I will say that. Crime is relatively low in New York City. We're one of the, 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 Safest cities in America. The chances of being a, a, a victim of crime here are lower than they are in Jacksonville, Florida, period. But that doesn't mean that we all don't have stories like the ones that our callers have been telling. 
And we'll be back after the break to take a few more calls. This is Anthony Wieners of the Middle, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. It's a coronation Saturday, whatever that means. And at the top of the hour at 3 o'clock, Curtis Lee will be coming in for left versus right. We'll talk about congestion pricing. I'm sure we'll have something to say about the homicide on the F train. It's so great to have you along. We'll see you on the other side. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Finding new ways to make change. Reaching across the aisle to work with both sides. Before all this happened, Anthony Weir, he was fantastic. That guy could have been the president. This is The Middle with Anthony Weiner. But Weiner may be my greatest challenge yet. He has gone toe-to-toe with many pundits before me. On WABC. Welcome back to the middle. Henry the Eighth, I am. Who is that, Christian? Who's who's that? Yeah, who do we, who is that? That's Herman's Hermits, of course. We're doing the best to bring some coronation. Here, you can bring that up a little bit. Yeah, there it is. So we're doing a little something about the coronation. Um, coming in at three o'clock, Curtis Lee was coming. In. Curtis. And I are going to talk about congestion pricing might be on the way. And if you're wondering what that means, that means from some places, if you drive into central Manhattan, it's like 20 bucks they want to charge you. And to make it even more tough on you, if you're driving a car, they want to take out 150,000 parking spaces. We'll explain why. That's Curtis Leo and I at, on left versus right at 3 o'clock. 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. Let's go back to the calls. Andrew and Stanhope. Go ahead, Andrew. Thank you for holding on. Hey, what's up, Anthony? I just want to commend you for having a great show and being fair. And um, I was suspicious of your being in the middle. I thought, well, that could be just like a sale, you know, like a pitch to get people to, you know, support you from both sides. But you're definitely in the middle and you're telling the story, you know, straight. So, I, and Eric Adams, too, I didn't always agree with him, but he, he's right. So I want to ask you. Before I tell you, I saw a horrible thing. I was in Penn Station, and I went into the bathroom, and there was a young man looking in, staring in at the other men in the urinals, and he was, uh, you know, kind of happy-looking, smiling. And I was thinking, oh, maybe he has, like, a young son. He's waiting for him to come out. So I go use the bathroom. Then when I walk out, he's doing a hunter by me. Like then he has his hand down his pants and he's touching himself. So it's went that bad. It's got that bad. But I'll let you. I, sorry for bringing that up. But it's well, you no, know, I, I understand. I appreciate Andrew. Sometimes I mean people have one of the reasons why we have far fewer bathrooms than other major cities. Public bathrooms for people is because we can't figure out a way to keep them clean and safe. And hopefully that changes after a while. Next, let's go to Ted in my old neighborhood of Forest Hills. Hey, Ted, welcome aboard. Do we have Ted? 
Ted going once, and we lost Ted. How about John in Brooklyn? Hey, John, thank you for joining us. Hey, Anthony, how you doing? I'm doing well, John, thank you. Hey, listen, um, uh, we got, I got three points I want to make. First one is, um, first, my condolence to the family of the poor guy that killed on a subway. I know that's a very tragic uh, situation. But not for nothing, no, that Marine did not get on that subway that day to go out and kill anybody. And that guy, uh, he stepped up because either he was frightened or that fellow was frightening a lot of people on the subway. So that's a problem. But, John, let me ask you something. Is being frightened, is the solution to being frightened to kill somebody? No, but the solution to being frightened is to do him. He didn't mean to kill him. That right. was a very bad set of circumstances. Well, that, I, I agree with you. By the way, you've hit it on the head. I think what the grand jury, if there ever is one, is going to have to try to figure out. Now, some people have said, well, he's a Marine. He should have known better. I don't even know if they teach chokeholds to Marines or whatnot. But, I mean, you know, look, I, I, but you, you're, I 100% agree with John about, about one thing. There is no evidence, no sign that this guy, Daniel Perry, was some kind of vigilante that got on the train and said, I'm going to go find some way to to fight back against crime today. I don't think that was the case at all. But someone, if, if you have any experience in the New York subways at all, you know that sometimes you have crazy people down there. Imagine if every time you saw a slightly, you know, a slightly mentally off person, someone jumped up and put them in a in a in a in a, a headlock. So what it's going to come down to probably is we just have to wait and see what kind of information and evidence is presented to see what exactly happened. I saw one newspaper that said that this guy, Jordan Lilly, threw garbage. The the guy that took that video said that he didn't see at any time this um, Jordan Neely assault anybody. Uh, the one story said the worst they saw him do is throw his coat down. Now, he did say words that sounded crazy. He says, I'm ready to die. I'm ready to go to jail. And that's a couple of people said that. But we just have to... We just have to wait. I mean, as you know, um, in my recovery group, there is this thing that you said, just sitting with your discomfort. Sometimes these things, they, they, they make us uncomfortable. And so we kind of lurch for an easy answer, something that is pat, something that, that fits with our, our narrative of life or the way these things are not always simple stories. It could be it's both things. It could be that this was a, 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 a person in, in Jordan Neely that was lost in the system, that was, that was, had, had autism, PTSD, schizophrenic, all these challenges. It could be that he, this young man who, who is videos of him doing an amazing Michael Jackson routine just began to feel invisible and began to feel lost. You know, Curtis has described a few times on, on our show. That often just being thirsty, just being dehydrated makes people crazy. So that can be true. And at the same time, this Daniel Perry could have been thinking, you know, look, I was raised to think not just about myself but about others and could have perceived that there was this threat to that train car. And he said, I'm not going to sit here and allow anyone to get hurt. Maybe the two other people were that way as well. And both of those things are true. And it doesn't fit the narrative of the people marching outside demanding that Michael Perry be Daniel Perry be charged with murder. And it doesn't fit the narrative of some of the hosts who come on here and made up the wildest stuff of that Jordan Neely got on their train to beat someone up. 
which I've heard more than a few times without any substantiation. It can be both those things. And you know what? Tomorrow, tomorrow or today, on a subway train in New York City, there is going to be someone mumbling to themselves and acting weird and acting disjoint and acting aggressive. And by the way, particularly on the weekends when it's a lot of tourists and less commuters who are used to this stuff. And there today there's going to be someone on a train who's going to be thinking, do I, am I, you know, do I have to jump into action here to defend my, my family or myself or my neighbors? That's the uncomfortable truth of living in a city of eight and a half million people where we're bouncing off each other like molecules. And particularly when we walk downstairs and get into or upstairs, if you're in Smith Ninth Street or out in Roosevelt Island or the seven train, but upstairs or downstairs, it doesn't matter. When we go to get on the train, it's particularly the case. The door is closed. We are in there together. And to put a brighter shine on it, if you look around a subway train, particularly in Manhattan, you got everybody. You got everybody. We're in this together, and I'm glad that we are. So thank you so much for joining me on The Middle once again. Coming up at 3 o'clock at the top of the hour, Curtis Leo and I, left versus right, talk about congestion pricing. We'll definitely have to talk a little bit more about this. There's no better expert on this kind of thing than Curtis Leo. I really do appreciate you being along. It's a beautiful day. It's even better because you shared some of it with me, and for that I'm grateful. See you on the other side.